Hello and welcome to a lost episode of Viper Rambles. This footage was being worked on by an editor who just vanished and never mentioned that they had it. So it's quite old at this point, but I'm still going to release it because I might have something interesting in it to you. This is why reactions will never be considered fair use. Legal Eagle released a video that everyone on the planet sent to me. It was titled, XQC is stealing content and so are most reaction streamers. And what he said in the video is everything I've ever said. <laughs> Especially on the topic of fair use. Pointing out that obviously people who are sitting down hosting watch parties of other people's videos, pausing occasionally, don't meet any of the guidelines of fair use. It doesn't transform the content because you're there just watching the content. The video doesn't change. You have no reason to watch the original after you've seen it in a live stream. Matter of fact, if someone asks you, have you seen this video? You can say, yeah, I have. I saw it during Asmongol's live stream. You aren't making a differentiated work. You're not targeting a different audience for a different purpose. You're not using the bare minimum of the content that you need to make your new work, your new creation, because you haven't seen the video beforehand. You have no idea what's in it. So you're gonna, you're gonna live stream and then put on YouTube a bunch of copyrighted work that you have no need for, that you could have cut out if you had known it was in the video beforehand, but you didn't, so you just broadcast anyway. The only criticism I have of the video is a lot of this stuff came towards the end of the video. Or like, like you know, 12, 14 minutes in. Like my videos had that problem as well, where a lot of the most hard hitting stuff was later on. Um, a lot of the first half of the video was him just like clowning on XQC and being like, this guy can barely speak. Look at all these people just sitting around watching YouTube videos rather than doing something, all that jazz. One part that people thought I might have a problem with is that he defended Ludwig at the end, where he said Ludwig does it well. And if what Legal Eagle says about what Ludwig does now is true, then he would be doing it fairly well, right? You gotta keep in mind, I didn't mention Ludwig in my original essay about reaction content because he does make creative content. He has ideas. He's hosting tournaments and stuff. Unlike Hassan or XQC or Asmongol, where the bulk of their content, or at least a substantial portion of it, is just sitting around watching YouTube videos, and their YouTube channels are largely just him, again, sitting around watching YouTube videos, Ludwig actually does shit. Even before any outrage about reaction content that's happened, you know, in the last year or two, before that, he was largely reacting to TikToks. At least that's what was shown on his YouTube channel. And it was edited stuff. Where I draw the line in regards to using clips, I do not like the stuff that Snipe Wolf makes. I do not like the stuff that any of these you laugh, you lose stuff makes where they're just watching clips and stuff. But I do not see it as egregious as the content farms watching entire creative works, stuff that people have put days, weeks, months into, and then re-uploading them in, in their entirety, right? It's, it's not in the same vein to me. So it's often gonna depend on what they're doing with the clips, a, a very much so case by case basis. I can declare outright that all reaction content as I define it is bad, but I can't say that about everyone's uses of clips. And if what Legal Eagle is saying that Ludwig is getting permission from those who own the rights to the material to watch it on his live stream and stuff, that is far better than most people in the space. I do not think Ludwig has a react channel where he's spamming out reaction videos six times a day or whatever. There is obviously much of what Ludwig did back then and now that I probably would disagree with, but I wouldn't put him in the same area of, of being um, exploitative like Asmongold Hassan or XQC and the other people that I mentioned in my essay. Yeah, so that's all, all my thoughts on the video. It It's just a good video. And because it's coming from a lawyer, his words will hold more weight. So rather than just explaining the nature of fair use, linking to outside resources that I know people aren't ever gonna read. Like I know they're not gonna read the guidelines or the legal precedent or the H3HD case and all that jazz, but I can link this now and people will watch it because it's a YouTube video and he's a charismatic guy and it's edited very well. And they can go get to the end and go, oh, 
So none of this is actually covered under fair use, and all the people who claim it is are talking out their ass. Fair enough, I guess a lot of TikToks aren't monetized. No, it isn't a matter of a lack of monetization. It is a legitimate job that people have where they go around taking pictures of things, recording things, and then selling that content to licensing agencies or like, you know, story blocks and stuff where people use it in their works. Like they, the people themselves aren't trying to become creators on YouTube. They're not trying to become a big social media star. They just happen to have a clip that say goes viral and then they sell that clip to a company and then that company licenses it to people. And, and that's a legitimate job in a way. And a lot of what TikToks are, are is random clips of stuff. Like, let's say a, a minute animation, that could take a person days to make, and I don't think you should be ripping that off. But a person who's recorded their kid falling down or something, I don't see that in the same vein as, say, a video documentary that took six months to make. It's just not the same. I still think the impact on the market is equally as bad. In, like, Sniper Wolf, making a content farm of all the best TikToks is going to have a negative market impact. And so I can say, Sniper Wolf, I do not like what she does. But there are going to be some uses of clips where a person is watching something. Maybe they've done it off stream or something. And that's less egregious to me. But obviously all these people who make videos where they just go, hey, find me all the TikToks of this type and I will sit and watch them is just reaction content and equally garbage. But that's not all usages of people's clips that exist, you know? One interesting thing came from a discussion of this video elsewhere. I don't think he'd mind me showing it. So I, as I've said many times, I'm in a speedrunning Discord with a bunch of people. Yeah, maybe I won't show his messages, I'll just read them. But I was talking to this dude, Other Runs. I uh, makes speedrunning content. He's had uh, some videos pop off. I mentioned to him the legal review written by Jessica Vogel titled, Where's the Fair Use? The Takedown of Let's Play and Reaction Videos on YouTube and the Need for Comprehensive DMCA Reform. Long title, but very interesting essay that breaks down all the cases of fair use that have happened uh, in, in America um, from 2017 prior. How all the cases were ruled, why they were ruled the way they were. It's like 60 pages of something, but a very interesting read. And a lot of what I based my ideas of fair use on. That and, of course, uh, the H3H3 case. And just listening to a lot of videos from lawyers on, on, on these issues as well. Which was, I was always very annoying when people say, You don't understand fair use! I'm like, motherfucker, I spent like... I spent <laughs> like dozens upon dozens of hours just specifically reading about fair use and, and case person. I'm not a lawyer, but like, I've definitely done more legwork than most people. But regardless, I don't know if this guy... Uh, other runs himself as a lawyer or what background he has, but he noticed something in this essay that I didn't notice. He says, it's worth noting that the H3H3 case is a district court case, which is the lowest level in the federal system. And I responded, thus doesn't set legal precedent, so I'm told. I, I was informed previously that just because it was ruled in this case, uh, in this court, doesn't mean that it sets precedent for any other aspects of the legal system or something. I'm not enough versed in the American legal system to assess that. And I've never mentioned that in any of my videos because I was just told that by like, a, I heard, heard it from a lawyer. So I was like, ah, whatever. But he goes on to say, apparently there's a circuit split on these issues, meaning the standard is different depending upon which of these regions you sue in. So he like references a part of the essay that talks about the Seventh Circuit, talking about a completely different case. The Seventh Circuit in this lawsuit uh, reasoned that courts should not look exclusively to whether something is transformative when conducting a fair use analysis because such an approach would not only replace the list of factors in section 107, but also could override 17 USC section 106, which protects derivative works. 
In that case, the Seventh Circuit did not ask whether the allegedly infringing work was transformative at all, and instead looked only at the four factors on their face. And this compares to the Second Circuit, which is where H3H's case was done. Therefore, while many courts, especially in the Second Circuit, almost exclusively consider whether a work is transformative, it is not an absolute requirement in order to find fair use. And so he gave this. Um, so this is a map of the different districts of courts. So apparently there's, what, like 11 plus two more. So apparently, depending upon where you sue, it, it can depend on whether you're gonna pass. But he goes on to say, this split between the districts usually means that the Supreme Court will decide to hear a case on the matter to resolve the split. Um, H3H3 being sued in a Second Circuit trial court seems like he had a friendlier standard to meet by only needing to prove that it was transformative. So even like, the quintessential case that we all cite about fair use, if it was tried in a different area in America, Seventh Circuit, perhaps, the, the ruling may have gone against H3H3, even though what H3H3 made was radically different than the sort of reaction content we see today with people live streaming themselves, watching a YouTube video and putting it on YouTube, their, their YouTube channel. Oh, that is one other interesting thing. Legal Eagle mentions the idea of punitive damages. Punitive damages go beyond compensating the aggrieved party. They are specifically designed to punish defendants whose conduct is considered grossly negligent or intentional. Punitive damages are also referred to as exemplary damages as they are intended to set an example to deter others from committing similar acts. So he mentions this and he says, these reactors need to, need to learn what punitive damages are. And the reason he says that is because any person who sues XUC, Hassan, Asmongold, they wouldn't just be suing and potentially getting the money they lost on the video. The jury, or judge, or what have you, could uh, assign punitive damages to stop these people doing it again. Because XQC had directly has statements where it's like, fuck's fair use, they ain't gonna do shit. Asmongold is breaking fair use law 10 times a day, and has been doing every single day for the last like three years. Hassan himself is like, I don't give two shits about copyright. Fuck it, I know I'm breaking copyright, and he's, he's just spamming out the, these videos. and and. and saying that other people can spam them out as well on his behalf on other YouTube channels. If, if any of them goes to court, any jury's gonna look at this and go, these are unrepentant people who do not fucking care about the law. And so they will suffer punitive damages. Any person who sues them is potentially gonna get themselves millions of dollars being the beneficiary of this money potentially. So you, you can sue Asmongold, you can sue XQC, you can sue Hassan and potentially get yourself millions of dollars. Like every video that Asmongold has uploaded of someone else's without permission is Potentially a lottery ticket for those people to make themselves fuck tons of money. In the discussion, someone was like, I can't believe these people haven't been sued yet. And I responded, parasocial relationships, intimidation, fear of reprisal, brand damage, you know, ignorance of rights, sincere belief that they've benefited from being ripped off, doubt of the reward being worth it compared to the costs and fees. These things will prevent most people from uh, going to court on these issues. And of course, nothing is certain. While it seems very clear based on case precedents and the reading of the guidelines that uh, it would be, they would be ruled against. As shown by the differences between the districts, you never really know anything can happen, right? And as I further go on to say, for many people, especially small creators, if a big creator talks to them, they will fold instantly on anything. People just feel privileged for the notice, even if that notice is them being reacting number 897. I've had this myself. People are like, oh, I'll, I'll make anything for, for free, man. I'll, it's fine, dude. Th thank you so much. I'm like, dude, I'll give you money. You, you, you're doing work. You deserve money. I, I, I know you like my content, but that doesn't mean I can exploit you and just you, you work for free or whatever. Very different position I hold on these issues than the exploiter class, as I call them, the XQCs, the Hassan Pikers, the Asman Golds. But obviously, having ethics in this business doesn't get you very far. So yeah, go watch Legal Eagles' video. Uh, it is very funny. And uh, he is a much better, better speaker than I am, you know. 
This is how my GTA 5 world record progression video was made. Grand Theft Auto 5 speedrunning. You might ask who the hell would want to speedrun a game that takes about 32 hours to complete casually? The answer is a surprising amount of people actually. So this video, I knew it wasn't gonna do particularly well, but I wanted to make it anyway. It was a video that I first made like three years ago. It's a bar graph race showcasing where the world records were at any given time for any category. So, uh, so like here, so December 2022, showing Soros at the top at five hours, 49 minutes. The original video I made three years ago didn't do all that well. And so I knew this one wouldn't do that well either. But I thought, screw it, I'm gonna release it anyway. Cause it's nice just to look at the history and to have all the runners be able to see their names in the video and be like, oh, that's where I was in relation to stuff. It's a, it's a trip down memory lane for the runners. So it's more for the community than anyone else, right? But of course, other people find it interesting. But the main reason it's done this way, as opposed to, you know, a summoning salt kind of video where you break down all the strats and stuff, is because the GTA speedrun is just way, way too long. 10 years of history developments, even in one category, the video would be like ridiculously long. The only way I think it could be done hypothetically is if you just looked at the major world records. Like you picked like, say five, of the major jumps in time and then you just compared them and said what was majorly different between them but this that video would still be so ridiculously long and would take months to to make and i know of people who've tried to start doing that in the community and it's just never gone far because just way too much work and so this history presented this way is like a compromise to have something rather than nothing someone asked me how did i make these graphs uh i didn't as you see at the end if you want one of these bar graph comparisons made for your speedrun, feel free to contact Biz Inc on Discord. He's the one who helped me out three years ago and I DM'd him like a year ago and I was like, hey man, do you want to make those graphs for me again? And he was like, yeah, I guess. That's cool. Cause I gave him like half the, what the video makes or whatever. But that was a year ago, but a year ago, like the categories split and then came back together in a very weird way. And so the graph would look very ugly. So I was like, hey, look, let's just leave it for another year or something. I'll get back into speedrunning and it'll be cool to have my name back up there and stuff. Uh, but I didn't get back into speedrunning. So it just ended up being quite good that it, we could do it again, coinciding with the 10 year anniversary when the categories had been separated longer. So there was more data to show. You, you understand if you watch the video. One change I made majorly from last time to this time is last time I just had the bar graphs play and you had to sit watching the bar graphs with like no commentary. Uh, there was just some music and you watched the move. Uh, I figured this time to keep people more engaged, I would explain things about the run while the bar graphs were moving. It's a little bit better than having nothing, but it's still not very good when it comes to how YouTube videos are meant to be designed. You aren't meant to tell, you're meant to show. And so normally when, when doing that commentary, I would have images of all the things I was discussing being shown on screen, but I couldn't do that because the bar graphs were there. So it was commentary without much substance. It's still way better. And I, I like how the video turned out because it's probably the best way that can be presented. It's still obviously not a video that I expected to get like a million views or something, you know? Rockstar might have me muted on Twitter. So obviously, given my connections at Rockstar Games, people often ask me for favors and being benevolent as I am, often acquiesce to their requests. So Jameski says here, hey Dark Viper, could you put in a good word with the big Rockstar? I'm trying to audition for GTA 6 myself. And so I quote tweeted him and said, hey Rockstar Games, hire this dude. I wonder if Rockstar Games has me muted because uh, <laughs> I do at them on an infrequent basis with some fairly stupid stuff. They've never responded. But I hope like they take it with some humor. So my fear, right, is that long ago, 
when I was an asshole, I said something bad about Rockstar that they would just mute me. And so nothing I ever say will ever be seen by them again. And I would just be crystallized in that moment of being a jerk and nothing else I ever do will matter. But that's just the way it is. Like you don't get second chances with uh, people or entities in every case. I like a voice actor for GTA 6. So like clearly they must like me. I mean, they, they hired me for that job. So <laughs> last joke though. GTA V, more like GTA very old, got him. I might be, chat, the funniest person who has ever lived. Think of all the people privileged right now to be born and live at the same time that I do. So many unaware that they are living in the time of the funniest person who's ever lived. You know. <laughs> my old YouTube videos got a new look. Periodically, throughout my history on YouTube, I have hired people to go back and make improved thumbnails for my older videos. It doesn't happen that often because usually if I can find someone who's making good thumbnails, they always have new videos that they need to be making thumbnails for. But recently, Mim, the person who's helping me with thumbnails these days, um, had some free time. But he went back and he made me uh, five more th thumbnails. So we've got Watch Dogs Legion. Speedrunner is misspelled, but it was fixed, and I think I put the fixed one version there. We've got uh, my first cooking stream where I made myself a burger, I think, and pancakes. This is the dumbest fucking alarm ever. Guess that'll do. I mean, it tastes edible. Can't be fuck waiting this long. Fuck this shit. This was a mistake behind me here. Very correct. LNUR speedrunner becomes detective. My old LNUR footage. My old Vice City footage. And my old speedrunner footage uh, when I was doing Minecraft for the first time. The only thing about the thumbnails is that the thumbnails are so good that people might click the video and be like, Hey, wait a second. This video isn't super highly polished. It's low, lower quality footage. The thumbnail sets an expectation that potentially the video can't live up to. Goddamn down. I think the videos are still pretty good though. I think people enjoy them, like it's still good content. Let's see if my making community posts for these videos actually increased their viewership. The first one linked got like an extra 2,000 views. I mean, previously it was getting 80 views a day and then it shot up to 350 a day. The other one got 400, 500 views. The second one got like 1,200 views. The third one got 1700 the last one got like 1200 so collectively got like 10,000 views maybe well it doesn't look like it's going to uh continue and, and cause long-term growth in the videos but i didn't really expect it to is that because of the thumbnail though oh no uh, that's a good point it, it's because i linked it in the community post my community post gets seen by like 30,000 people or whatever and that many click through i mean the post itself had like 3.5 thousand likes and so you assume like that amount of people probably click something there you know whether the thumbnails themselves will lead to long-term growth of the videos more people clicking who knows? It, sometimes it seems to, sometimes it doesn't. I'm pretty sure it is fairly established that it can do that. That if you can go back and fix your thumbnails that you may as well. Looking at the stats two months after I changed the thumbnail, while all of them got a small boost, only the Vice City one saw a consistent increase in viewership maintained to this day. How did I first start talking about the React problem? Most creators back in, say, the 2016 era were against reaction content by some definition. But there was, of course, more animosity back then because I'm a, a YouTuber who was around since, you know, 2012 or something, I think, when I first started, even if I was doing it as a hobby. Um, those opinions have always, therefore, been with me because that was the predominant opinion back then. But one day I was watching um, Asmongold, 
Um, just as background noise, I need to stay awake because I was moving my sleeping pattern. I have sleep issues. And uh, he said a lot of silly things about fair use, reaction content, and um, all, all this jazz. And so just a spur of the moment, I decided to make a video on it talking about um, how, why I believe he's wrong and why I think I can demonstrate that he's wrong about these things that he's saying. And that he's only saying them either out of ignorance or, or for self-benefit, right? Um, this video got effectively nowhere. I was a smaller creator back then and I didn't do much commentary um, back then, but it, it got like, you know, 40% dislikes or something, which is huge for a YouTube video. And, and that was because of course his audience was not happy with what I was saying and I didn't have an audience to uh, back me up in that regard. But that was my first time talking about it, and my opinions have stayed roughly the same. And it was only now two years ago or something where I had my little tiff with Charlie because I wrote an essay due to uh, about reaction content and how much I don't like it. That was in inspired by things that Hassan Piker said, and the so-called TV Messer on Twitch.tv, where people would just rebroadcast entire TV shows um, as a substitute for doing anything for themselves, because it's obviously very easy to you know, watch a TV series with your audience compared to actually thinking of original ideas and expending energy in executing them, right? And so that's kind of the two phases of me talking about um, this issue. I never believed I would become some sort of a an advocate or, or something for a particular position in the public sphere. That was, and I still to this date, I'm not sure whether or not I would have done this had my essay not reached a, a wider audience. Um, when I wrote it, I expected it would just be a nothing burger, as I think is a phrase that people say, and uh, <laughs> and and it would just it fizz, fizzle out, and I would go back to doing my work. But it became a big thing, and so now I continue to talk about this, not because I'm insincere, um, I, like I, I fully believe all the things in which I say, but because um, I, like I'm not sure to what degree I'm having any impact, or if it's really an impact can be had. So it feels futile a lot of the time continuing to talk about it. Um, so even just from like an academic level, I, I like talking about it. Um, even if it will ultimately be futile, perhaps, in the in actually actually changing things, you know. Stop! Now that I have your attention, hit the like and subscribe button. Thank you. I wish you all the best.